Hello there, Yuri. Hope you're enjoying the day out there in San Francisco. Sounds like a pleasant Sunday ahead with a high of 60 degrees and clear skies this morning. Just keep an eye out for some broken clouds rolling in by evening. Perfect weather to catch up on the latest news, and we've got the top stories for you right here. First up, Florida's legislature has just passed a bill that could see anyone under 16 banned from social media platforms. While it aims to shield young minds from the perils of too much screen time, not everyone's liking the idea of this digital age gatekeeping. And uh, I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to Uriaz News from Pocket Pod News. And in tech news, TechCrunch is putting a spotlight on women leading the charge in AI innovation with a new interview series. It's more than just code and algorithms. It's about breaking barriers and setting new benchmarks for inclusivity in tech. Lastly, Biju Raviendran is standing firm as CEO amid calls for his ouster by some shareholders at Baiju's. It's a tale of corporate intrigue with governance and financial concerns at its heart, but Ravendran isn't backing down easily. So whether you're soaking up that San Francisco sun or watching the clouds roll in, stay with us. We've got all the details on these stories coming right up. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. In Florida, a new bill is sparking a heated debate on how young is too young for social media. That's right. The state legislature has just passed legislation that would prevent anyone under the age of 16 from using social media platforms. It's a move aimed at protecting kids from the potential mental health risks of excessive screen time. But not everyone's on board. Critics say it infringes on free speech and steps over parents' rights to supervise their children's online activities. Governor Ron DeSantis is now weighing in, balancing concerns over privacy with the need to protect Florida's youth. To dive deeper into this complex issue, we're joined by PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup. Don, there's a lot to unpack here between parental authority, privacy rights, and mental health concerns. Where do we even begin? Indeed, Steve, it's a multifaceted issue. Let's start with the Florida legislature's recent decision, which aims to prohibit individuals under the age of 16 from using social media platforms. This legislative move is driven by concerns over the potential mental health risks that excessive use of social media can pose to young people. The bill, having been passed by lawmakers just this Thursday, is now awaiting review by Governor Ron DeSantis. And what's Governor DeSantis's stance on this issue? Governor DeSantis has recognized the potential harm that social media can inflict on children. However, he also raises concerns about infringing on privacy rights and overriding parental supervision. His position highlights a significant tension between protecting children in the digital realm and preserving family autonomy when it comes to engaging with technology. There seems to be quite a bit of public debate around this bill. Can you tell us more about the opposition it's facing? Absolutely, Steve. Critics argue that this bill could potentially violate First Amendment rights and reduce parents' control over their children's online activities. A notable opponent is Meta, the parent company of Instagram and Facebook, which opposes the legislation due to concerns over data privacy and limits on parental discretion. They advocate for federal measures that would require parental approval for minors' app downloads instead. The bill targets specific features of social media platforms. Could you elaborate on those? Yes, the legislation takes aim at features known for keeping users engaged, such as infinite scrolling, reaction metrics like likes or shares, autoplay videos, live streaming capabilities, and push notifications. 
Lawmakers believe these functionalities contribute to addictive behaviors in minors and exacerbate mental health issues without naming any specific platforms. And what about privacy protection? How does the bill address those concerns? To tackle privacy concerns head-on, provisions have been included in the bill aiming to enhance user data protection during age verification processes. Furthermore, it allows for civil lawsuits against companies that fail to delete personal information from terminated accounts. These measures seek to balance constitutional rights related to privacy while holding social media companies accountable for their practices. This isn't an isolated case, though, right? Other states are considering similar laws? That's correct. Florida's legislation follows Utah's footsteps, which became the first state to adopt laws regulating children's access to social media back in March 2023. Arkansas, Louisiana, Ohio, and Texas are either following suit or contemplating similar regulations, illustrating a growing national trend towards stricter regulation of minors' access to digital platforms. So what do we make of all this? It sounds like there are no easy answers. Indeed not, Steve. While intended as protective measures against potential harms associated with online engagement, particularly among youth, such legislative efforts raise complex questions about free speech rights versus government intervention in child-rearing practices and data privacy considerations. As states across the U.S. explore similar regulations amid broader discussions about technology's role in society and individual well-being, these debates are likely only going to intensify. Thanks for that comprehensive overview, Don. My pleasure, Steve. Always good discussing these important issues with you. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is reshaping every aspect of our lives, from how we work to how we interact with the world around us. Absolutely. And at the forefront of navigating this digital transformation is Miranda Bogan, a leading voice in advocating for responsible AI practices. Her work focuses on ensuring AI technologies serve society equitably and ethically. Today, we're joined by Pocket Pod News technology analyst Paige Owens to delve into Miranda Bogan's journey in the AI field. Paige will also discuss Bogan's significant contributions towards shaping a more inclusive and fair digital future. Thanks, Jonathan. Miranda Bogan's journey is indeed an inspiring one, especially when considering her profound impact on the AI world. Her initial attraction to AI stemmed from a deep understanding of its potential societal implications. Bogan realized early in her career that machine learning and artificial intelligence had far-reaching effects on people's rights, values, and communities. This realization wasn't just about the technical prowess of AI, but its ability to reshape societal dynamics fundamentally. That sounds incredibly forward-thinking. Could you elaborate on some of the contributions she's made towards responsible AI practices? Absolutely. One of Bogan's most notable contributions was her research into discrimination within online advertising systems, particularly focusing on Meta's algorithmic fairness. Her work shone a light on how these systems could perpetuate disparities in economic opportunities for marginalized populations— by addressing these biases head-on, Bogan's research led to tangible improvements in how these advertising algorithms function, making them more equitable. Facing such complex challenges in a male-dominated industry must have been daunting. How did she navigate this landscape? It was indeed a challenge, but Bogan credits much of her ability to push forward to the support from her colleagues who shared her vision for a more inclusive tech world. She placed great importance on uplifting marginalized voices and chose positions where she could work with or under women leaders in tech. This reflects a broader shift towards inclusivity within the industry itself. And what advice does she have for women looking to enter the AI field? 
Bogan strongly believes in finding supportive environments that value diversity of thought and encourage mentorship and allyship. She stresses that being part of such communities can significantly empower women entering the AI field, fostering both personal growth and broader societal change. Speaking of change, what does she see as the pressing issues facing AI development today? One major issue is moving from merely identifying problems with AI systems to developing systematic approaches for mitigating these harms. The launch of CDT's AI Governance Lab under her direction is a step towards finding solutions that ensure responsible governance over AI technologies. How should users approach current AI systems, according to Bogan? Users need to exercise caution when relying on AI for consequential tasks since many current systems lack comprehensive protective measures, analogous to seatbelts or airbags in cars. And what about building responsible AI? What does that entail? Building responsible AI necessitates humility and an inclusive approach. It's about asking who an AI system serves or fails and incorporating diverse perspectives into its design process from the outset. Lastly, how does Miranda Bogan view the role of investors in promoting responsible innovation? She encourages investors to prioritize deliberate development over rushing technologies to market without proper consideration for ethical practices. The goal is to shift focus towards supporting ecosystems where responsible innovation thrives over mere rapid advancements. Fascinating insights into Miranda Bogan's work and vision for a more ethical digital future. Thank you for sharing this with us today, Paige. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we continue discussing and advancing these conversations around responsible artificial intelligence for everyone's benefit. The world of edtech is facing a significant shakeup right in the heart of Bengaluru, India. That's right. Baiju's, a leading edtech startup, is in the midst of a dramatic internal conflict. Its founder and CEO, Baiju Raviendran, is fighting against an attempt by some shareholders to oust him over governance and financial issues. And despite the turmoil, Ravindran is pushing back hard. He sent out a letter to employees refuting claims of his ousting, launched a rights issue aiming to raise about $200 million, and even questioned the validity of the shareholder meeting that sought his removal. It's a complex situation involving accusations of financial mismanagement, procedural discrepancies at shareholder meetings, and battles over public perception. To help us navigate through this saga and understand its implications for Baiju's future and the broader edtech landscape, we're joined by PocketPod News business and finance correspondent Scott Dwyer. Scott has been closely following these developments. Scott, where do we even begin with this? Well, Jonathan, it's a tangled web at Baiju's, starting with the company's founder and CEO, Baiju Ravindran. Following an emergency general meeting where shareholders voted for his removal, Ravindran sent a letter to employees on Saturday. In it, he refuted claims of his ousting as exaggerated and highlighted concerns over the legitimacy of the shareholder meeting. He argued that the meeting lacked procedural validity, including not meeting the minimum quorum. It sounds like Ravendran is standing his ground. Can you tell us more about the shareholder group's stance? Absolutely. The shareholder group in question includes heavyweights like Process Ventures and Peak 15 Ventures, and they voted unanimously at Friday's emergency general meeting for resolutions addressing governance issues and proposing leadership changes at Baiju's. This move underscores deep concerns among investors regarding financial mismanagement and compliance within the company, signaling a significant rift between Ravindran and some of Baiju's major backers. And what about Ravindran's concerns over the meeting procedures? Does he have a point? 
he might have one, Jonathan. Ravindran claimed that only 35 of Baiju's 170 shareholders attended this extraordinary general meeting, representing about 45% ownership. This raises questions about whether proper legal procedures were followed and if there was indeed enough quorum to make any decisions binding. It's a critical point that could affect how these proceedings are viewed legally and ethically. Amidst all this internal discord, Baiju's launched a rights issue to raise funds. How does that fit into this picture? Now, that's an interesting turn of events amidst the turmoil. Despite having its valuation significantly reduced from $22 billion to about $25 million, Baiju's launched a rights issue aiming to raise approximately $200 million. Ravindran has called this move overwhelmingly successful, suggesting investor confidence might still be high despite recent challenges. It poses an intriguing contradiction. Financial challenges on one hand, but claimed strong investor interest on the other. There seems to be also a dispute over how this saga is being portrayed publicly. Indeed, Jonathan, amidst these boardroom battles, there's also a war of narratives playing out in public view. Ravindran accused minority shareholders of spreading misinformation through media channels, but insisted Baiju's would not engage in a media war to counter these claims. This tactic spotlights another layer in their strategy, controlling public perception without directly confronting the accusations in a highly public forum. With all these moving parts, what could be the broader implications for Baiju's future? Uh, the situation at Baiju's could serve as a cautionary uh, tale for, for startups about governance and investor relations importance, and especially in high-stakes environments like EdTech, where rapid growth often precedes stringent financial scrutiny. How Baiju's navigates through these challenges could significantly impact uh, its operational stability and industry position moving forward. Fascinating insights as always, Scott. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Jonathan. Always glad to delve into these complex stories with you. And that's Yuri's News for Sunday, February 25th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Yuri. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod, entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to PocketPod.app.